Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have someone who was incarcerated wrongly for many years, exonerated, not before he was physically attacked by correctional officers. On April 6, 2022, Sam Randolph was fully exonerated and released from Pennsylvania's death row after serving 24 years, 21 years, excuse me, for a wrongful conviction, a crime he never committed. After everything that happened to him, his dream and goal is to start a nonprofit, give back to the community and help other people. Despite being exonerated and released from prison, Sam is currently disabled and confined to a bed. Why? Well, correctional officers in a vengeful attack on May 18, 2009, while he was handcuffed, defenseless, was led into the yard. COs assaulted slam, uh, assaulted Sam, slamming his head, then his body forcefully to the ground. Two guards fell on him and they crushed his lower back, injuring his spine. Due to this, he requires 24-7 care. Sam is a strong spirit. We have him on the program. Sir, good day. Welcome to Indisputable. Thanks for having me, sir. Brother, you have um, one of those stories where obviously you've had to overcome a lot, but a lot has happened to you and it should not have. So I would like you to give us your um, position, your point of view to the criminal justice system, what happened to you and why do you still have so much hope to give back? Okay. Um, so my nightmare began in uh, 2001. Um, I was wrongfully arrested, incarcerated. Uh, my trial occurred in uh, 2003, so I sat out there. 2003, I had a two-day trial. I, I, I was just railroaded in two days. They gave me, convicted me of two uh, capital uh, convictions. In addition to that, they sentenced me to 58 to 116 years for crimes that they knew full well I didn't commit. They had the evidence of my actual innocence. So. From that day, I was immediately taken to uh, Pennsylvania's death row, straight from the courthouse. And um, so when I got up there, uh, the guards up there, they were just uh, extremely racist, abusive, and they constantly attacked people. Uh, I used to be one of the grievance filers and filed grievances. That's how I became a target for them. Mm-hmm. You said they, they assaulted me. So I spent a lot of my days doing um, lawsuits, working on my case, just trying to get my evidence back into the court. Uh, on, on death row, it's a long, tedious journey. The, the courts they move extremely slow at snail's pace, right? The case just drags through the courts. So as I was, uh, fast forward to a judge, he granted my federal habeas. It took a long time, but the evidence came out. The judge, the, the judge even told the uh, prosecutor to turn over the uh, exculpatory evidence of, of my innocence, which they had all along. They tried to hide it, had Brady violations where the prosecutor was hiding that, knew where I was innocent. So uh, when I was finally exonerated, it took so long, but my hope is, bec- is because when I knew I had the evidence and then when I finally got out and got there, uh, 
what I wanted, what I want to do and continue to do, like you said, is to reach back. Cause I know I left a lot of innocent people in there. It's mm. fun, like, mm. and I got a platform. I want to utilize that to reach back and help those that I left behind. Cause sadly it happens far too often. Man, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful, brother. So uh, habeas corpus, it, it basically means give me the body. Uh, it's when the government can look at evidence and the judge can say, listen, I can't overturn it, but I can get them out of this jail. I can get I can get them out of this facility. So that means the evidence had to be pretty conclusive. You did not do it Absolutely. for something like that to be granted. How long did it take and what was the process to get someone to pay attention enough who had the authority to say, get him out of that jail. Oh, wow. So I, even though I had the evidence, some of the evidence that I had, it was DNA evidence in my, in my case, none mm-hmm. of it, me, they hid that. Uh, at the time that it happened, my mom owned a bar. We had a family establishment, it was a bar. I ran the day-to-day operations for my mom before and after the crime, so they knew where I was. Not just that, at the time of the crime, I was actually on the uh, phone when the, when the crimes being committed, I was actually wow. on the phone and they had the ping information identifying their location. They hid that so I couldn't mm. get in court because it would show I was nowhere near the crime scene, right? Uh, it was the dirty cops that paid people to lie and uh, uh, give false testimony and drop lots of charges just so they can give false testimony against me. And so once the federal judge seen all this stuff that was happening, he, he was so mad then he told the DA, to turn it over rather than, to, uh, excuse me, with discovery, that discovery process, DA, he told the DA, turn all that evidence over. So the DA came back to court and said, uh, your honor, all the evidence was in my office, but we don't know what happened. The whole file disappeared. We don't know wow. where. Wow. Wow. He didn't want to turn it over. Mm. He just was so upset and frustrated with it because the evidence of my innocence was obvious. Right. Mm. And, uh, but this DA that was on my case, and it's a lot of DAs like this all around the country, just, just pure wicked, just pure wicked. And they, and, and he, this DA in particular has a pattern and practice of, of convicting a lot of innocent individuals, especially those that look like me, right? And no problem keeping me on death row. Children having them grow up without me, lost everything, my, my mom. And it was just crazy, especially when I, when I got, uh, one time they signed my execution, gave me 60 days. To act, they were going to execute me in 60 days. My mom seen it on TV and no one told her she had a heart attack because they told she was watching the news and they said they was going to execute me in 60 days. Right. But it, 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 it's just crazy. And it, and it happens a lot. So that's why I just want to continue to work and do what I can. You, know, you were exonerated. You were exonerated, completely innocent of the crime. Uh, the record has been set straight now, obviously. They cannot give you those years back. They cannot give the years they took away from your family. They took away from your children. They can't give you that back. Inside of the facility, you end up getting severely injured by the actions of correctional officers. Tell us about that. What happened? Uh, As you said, on on May 15th, 2009, I was on my way to the the yard to exercise. so what they did is they handcuffed me behind my back and uh, on, on death row, we're isolated 24 hours in our cell. We only come out to go exercise five days a week. So as they was taking me, they was plotting. And as they was taking me through the hallway, that's when three of them jumped on me, assaulted me. And as they threw me to the ground, 
two of them landed on my spine. And as you're saying, so that's where the injuries are, L4 and L5 of my lumbar spine. I've been confined to a bed since. But wow. the, abuse, the abuse and torture didn't stop there. Once that happened, they really started torturing me. Uh, they left me in a cell from that day on. Uh, they force-fed me. They force-fed me 11 times. It was trying to kill me. They force-fed me 11 times in a three-day span. Instead of putting it in my stomach, they deliberately put it in my lungs and was oh drowned. I'm handcuffed to a bed, shackled to a bed. And what they was trying to do, they kept telling me, we got something for you. We was going to kill you. Right. And uh, so they did this. You can only force feed someone to preserve life. I was never on my deathbed, but they just went and got a, a security court order to force feed. And what they did, their plan was let's kill him. Then we say we just botched it was a botched procedure, but we had a legal order to force feed him. But they should have never forced feed me. And they did it 11 times in the three day span and every time putting it in my lungs. Just drowning me, you know. Nothing is all on video. Just pure wickedness in there. I want to do this. Put up his GoFundMe. There are a lot of bills. There are a lot of bills that you have accrued because of the action of these uh, individuals against you. Uh, for those who are watching, um, I would love for you to support the GoFundMe, uh, Mr. Randolph. I have to ask you. Out of the experiences, especially the one where they literally jumped you, was anyone charged with a crime? No, sir. Okay. Never charged. Never charged. Now, Never you you became a target. I heard you say this earlier. You became a target because you were writing grievances. I know what that's about. It's a grievance form. It's a process inside of the penitentiary where you can literally uh, fill out the complaint. You're supposed to be able to have a safe and secure way to process it. Uh, this is to help with treatment of uh, those who are incarcerated because you have abuse happening from detention officers. What kind of grievances were you filing? And, and do you think it was one particular grievance that made you a target or was it simply the fact you were filing them at all? I was I was filing all sorts of grievances. I literally filed hundreds of grievances. Um, they rejected every single one of them. Um, so I would cite the retaliation, retaliatory abuse, uh, constitutional violations, everything that was going on that was occurring in there. And then, you know, I'll fully, fully exhaust those grievances. You got to appeal them. They're going to deny them. And uh, so they're worried about lawsuits too, right? Bringing lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they just, no matter what, is just deny everything, but you're still required to fully exhaust it through the in-house procedures, so you gotta go up to central office that oversees that prison, and uh, before you can go to the courts on it. And, uh, yeah, yep, it's required. I, it's called exhausting administrative remedy. So if you don't do that part, you can't go to the next level. Exactly. And uh, so once I once I fully exhausted those, went to the uh, filed 83 action, took the cases to. Um, uh, United States District Courts, you know, with lawsuits. So what they did is uh, they try to they try to settle the lawsuits. I ended up filing uh, uh, several lawsuits. They when they, the ones that caught uh, for my injuries, they tried to settle it, but they just said we we'll give you fifteen thousand. You have commissary money, but we're not going to fix your back. Why would we do that? You're on death row. We're going to kill you. So no, we 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 will settle it and give you fifteen thousand. Of course, I rejected that and I've been fighting, you know, my legal situation and my medical situation. 
uh, since. They kept me in the, the day that happened, they never took me out of the cell again. I didn't have a shower in 14 years. They just kept me and let me languish and deteriorate in the cell. They wouldn't take me out. They were just trying to make me lose my mind. They kept me permanently isolated. Sometimes in the windowless cell, I couldn't see outside, no sunlight or anything. Um, they wouldn't let me see my mom. They'd play games and tell my mom and family to come up there. And then they'd say, oh, he refused to visit. After my mom traveled miles, uh, they, you know, they played games with the mail. It was just, it was just pure torture and hell, you know, uh, over the years. And uh, what they was trying to make me do is just, you know, go insane, permanent isolation. They used that as a as a tool of abuse as well. Never take you out the cell. You don't get a shower. They uh, starve me a lot. And uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even eat their food because they are spit in it or spray disinfect on the food. Mm. And I had my own food in the cell at the times so that I can get it. Or my mom send it. And uh, all right, so we have a technical issue. Um, Sorry. Okay. All right, we're back. Go ahead. So uh, yeah, as I was saying, they were. Basically, just kept torturing me and kept me permanently locked and isolated in a cell. I hear, I hear all of these obvious, obvious violations. No question about it. Has anyone from the federal government contacted you about any of these claims to investigate any of these claims? Have you been contacted by anybody? No, no, sir. Okay. I'm going to send this interview directly to Senator John Ossoff. Senator John Ossoff has led multiple investigations into prisons all across America, and he's been able to uncover some of the same things you experienced. They haven't documented these things are happening inside of penitentiaries. Um, for your continued strength, your continued legacy, you would like to give back. And that's what you're doing. You're giving back. What is it that drives you to remain strong and committed to obviously an idea that's bigger than you? Um, I've been def definitely blessed with a uh, strong spirit, but this is it's just injustice, this fight and everything that we're going through. And um, it's the systemic issues, these issues happens everywhere, it's widespread. And um, I know it happens, and like I said, I left a lot of people there, and I want to fight and, and, and reach back and try to utilize that platform so I can help everybody. But it, it, it's my spirit and drive and this, this injustice that we're all facing here in this course, and it's a lot. So I want to fight, continue to fight against that and help bring people out of that system you know, where it's happening. And uh, I'm going to continue to fight and do what I can. And... Uh, Hopefully, you know, I can, you know, galvanize people and, and, and get people to don't don't wait to this injustice lands on your doorstep. That's right. You know, fight and do something. Join this fight uh, with them alongside me, you know, so we can fight together, you know, before it even happens to anybody else. It's going to continue to happen, but we can do what we can. Right. Yeah. Even you know, vote and write people in the office, too. That's right. You know why they couldn't break you, brother? What's that, sir? Because you're a warrior. Oh, absolutely. Warriors recognize warriors. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anytime they come against you, it made you stronger. Mm -hmm. They made you stronger. 
And you are now in a position where you have platform, you have insight, and you have drive like you did not have before. And you also have allies. I'm your ally, brother. I'm your brother and your ally. And so I'm going to make sure Senator John Ossoff plays, pays close attention when he hits play on this clip because he will be getting it today. All right. Yes, sir. And I, brother, listen, man, I thank you. I thank you for being a hero. See, this is this is heroic. You overcame all of these villains to be the man you are right now, standing on principle, standing on service. You simply want to get back. You don't want to get back. You don't want vengeance. You want to give back to others to make their lives even better. You want justice, of course, but you're not bitter, you're better. And this is just one of those highlights of the criminal justice system. I'm glad that you are able to tell it. I'm sorry that you had to experience this silliness, chaos, and criminal behavior. Um, but we're going to continue to fight and push on there, brother. Let's put up that GoFundMe. And I want to do this uh, properly because when Sam was released from death row, he did not have any money. He was unsheltered, disabled because of the actions of the correctional officers. A nonprofit had a fundraise on Instagram to raise funds for housing Sam. They also asked for doctors to reach out if any were willing to help. After ordering an MRI, a neurosurgeon in California has agreed to do Sam's surgery for free. However, there will be many additional costs involved for special transport, housing, 24-7 care, and most importantly, the extensive and prolonged months of physical therapy and rehab after the surgery. That's actually the most crucial part. So we're asking for financial contributions in any amount. We need to reach the goal of $100,000 plus to support Sam in securing all of the many services he will need after surgery, all right? Um, I wanna be a blessing to you, brother, because you are already a blessing to me. You are a blessing to my viewers. You are a blessing to your community. You are a blessing to your family. You are a blessing to this country. Thank you for your story. Uh, what, if anything, you would like to say to us, brother, what can we continue to do? Um, first and foremost, I, I just like to thank you you, your audience, all donors, and uh, I would love to continue to work with you and alongside you as well as yes. anybody listening. Put my contact info up there. Anybody can reach out and let's join and, and unite together to continue to, you know, give back and continue this pursuit. Brother, I'm with you on that 100%. So I'm going to make sure you get my cell number in uh, just a few minutes so you can have my direct cell number. You can call me, text me anytime. I love to work with you and fight with you, all right? Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Let's get let's put that GoFundMe up one more time. Um, I, I want to make sure we reach. It's right there, very clear. Let's make this happen. All right, Samuel Randolph, a true American hero. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you. Salute. Salute.